introduced here by Evan Hoffman, coming to us from Nourishon, New York, from up the street from Manchester Shalom, to the Efrat English Colo here in Efrat, zipping along on Zoom for the Thursday night Parsha and Pizza Share uh, as we go into Parsha Shmini. Thank you, Rabbi Hoffman. And I sent, Arthur, I sent out the notes that have been placed up for the chat for guys like Danny who can read the Hebrew quickly enough and listen at the same time. Posted. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Bruce. Um, so the topic for today is Mayim Achronim, the water that we, the washing of the hands at the end of a meal, which is a very uh, seemingly petty topic in, in halacha, not the most exciting topic. However, the enthusiasm with which some of our people have maintained it over the years and the indifference with which other of our people have held it over the years is itself an interesting topic. Are you listening, how, Danny? Danny's listening to this very clearly. Okay, how, how, de- how halakhic details can disappear over time, reappear, and why does that happen? Okay, so Maimachronim as a ritual has been around at least since the days of Shammai and Hillel. We already find the Mishnah in Brachos, chapter 8, Mishnah 4, Beit Shammai Omrim, Chabdin et Tabayit, Achachnot Timodei Adayim, Beit Hillel Omrim, Notadam Chimad Mabayit. The question is whether you clean up the uh, the table or you first wash your hands. So, Machloka, Shammai, and Hillel, what, which comes first? But it's apparent that both schools of thought within Pharisaic Judaism believe that at the end of a major meal, there was a ritual hand-washing. The question, of course, is why? Um, I mean, you could readily think to yourself, well, you know, my hands get filthy in the course of a meal, I want to wash them. But that may be a more modern uh, sensitivity. In the olden days, when the world was rough and tumble, people didn't wash all that much. So let's see what the Gemara has to say. Gemara Brachos 53b. Rav Zuhamai Omer. That's a great name, Rav Zuhamai. Keshem Shemizuham Pasula Avoda, just as a person who is Mizuham, uh, unclean, uh, foul, is, for, is invalid to serve in the temple service. So too, our hands, which are soiled, which are sullied, unclean, are invalid for the saying of a blessing. What blessing are we referring to? Birkat Amazon, grace after meals. I don't know all these anything that was just said. I know the brisa. What's the brisa say? Tana, You shall sanctify yourselves. These refer to the first waters, the washing of the hand before the meal. And you shall be holy. These refer to the washing of the hands at the end of the meal. For he is holy. This refers to the anointing with oil, the smearing of oil on one's hands to uh, balsamic oils uh, to give them a good smell after the meal is over. I am Lord your God. This refers to the blessing which we, which we say, thanking God for the bounty that we have eaten. Now, where is that pasuk? So that pasuk is actually in Parshas Kedoshim, not in Parshas Shmini. If you look in the source sheet, there's Vayikra chapter 20, verse 7. However, there's a very similar pasuk that appears in Shmini, that could have just as easily been the citation. And what is that, Pasuk? In reference to not uh, making yourselves repugnant by eating the creepy, crawly things of the earth, the Sharetz Rameh Salaretz. 
So it says, Kiani Hashem Elokechem, Vihit Kadishtem, Vihitem Kedoshim, Kikadoshani. So roughly the same pasuk, and in certain passages in rabbinic literature, it appears that this was the pasuk being cited, not the pasuk in, in uh, Kedoshim. Okay, now, uh, thus far, what do we have? We have a ritual of post-meal hand-washing, uh, a logical basis for it that we didn't want our, we don't want our hands to be unclean for the blessing, a citation from a biblical verse that is not the plain meaning of that verse, but is a supportive text. So at this stage, what is the halachic status of Maimachronim, if you had to guess? Sounds obligatory. Minhaj. Sounds obligatory at, at what level? At what halachic level? Sounds on the right Okay, no, so, so the right would, would, would be the case if we thought that this biblical citation was being taken seriously as a derashah gemura, as a full-fledged exegetical interpretation. But are we really going to do that? No. So Danny is correct. That this is going to be a derashah. No, why do you say no so quickly? Like, why? Be- because the, the text itself has no bearing on water, on oil, on grace after meals. It has nothing to do with any of that. Well, Shabbos, just... as we say, many, many derites are very flimsy that the rabbis came along and point to a pasuk. Half, half of rabbis is like that. But those are examples where there is an Easter malacha and we're defining what malacha is. Here, it's clear this pasuk has not really any, be- no bearing on meals or hand washing. So, so let's go. Is uh, we're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. Okay. okay. So, Let's now go to uh, Mishnah in Eruvin, Mishnah chapter 1, Mishnah 10. Arba'a dvarim machane. Four things the military encampment was exempted from. Halachic requirements that if you're at war and you're at the, at the base, you don't have to do. Mevin You could bring wood from anywhere. It's irrelevant for our purposes. Now, and you're exempt from washing hands. Demai, tithing doubtful produce bought from an Amaretz, and Eruv, you don't have to make an Eruv, uh, the, the food aspect of the Eruv, not the issue of carrying, you know, in an unenclosed area, but the food aspect of an Eruv. Okay, so you're exempt from hand washing. The Gemara then says, Amar Abaye, lo rishonim. That's only true concerning the washing before the meal, that if you're at, the, at war and you're in a camp, you don't have to do it. But the post-meal washing, that is obligatory. So then the Gemara says, Why is it obligatory? What's the reason? Because there is sodomite salt there, which could blind you. Okay, so this is a dangerous thing. We're washing away a dangerous item that might be on your hands, and that's why it's a chova. Amar Abai, Abai then adds a little wrinkle to the story. Actually, we don't have to bother with that. It just, it just means even one little drop within a large supply of regular salt could be potentially dangerous. Fine. So, this salt that might be on your hands, is there any real reason to, to, to suggest that it would be there? I mean, uh, why would there be salt on your hands? Why? Well, then they might have eaten with their hands and used sodomite salt. 
Okay, so the fact that using utensils is a more refined manner of eating and was not necessarily commonplace in antiquity, absolutely true. You're right. Eating with the hands, dipping things into into condiments that might have been salt-based condiments, sure, that could be the reality. But there's also... Wouldn't that be all throughout the whole meal? You have to be careful and like constantly washing your hands or if you're eating with your fingers? You would think so. You you would think so, that if sodomite salt were really that dangerous, we would try to avoid it altogether, lest you touch your eye at any point in time. Uh, But nobody addresses that topic. But why Mm -hmm. might, for religious reasons, for religious reasons, salt have been in play here and on your finger? So the Gemara Brachos says... After your meal, eat salt. And after you drink, drink water. So you might have had a lot of different foodstuffs or a lot of different beverages, but the last thing you have of the solids, salt. The last thing of the beverages, water. And if you do that, you will not be harmed. So there was a, there was a theory, you know, primitive science, primitive medicine, or nutritional science, that it's good for you at the end of the meal to have some salt and to have some water. What are you spared from if you do this, if you follow this advice? You're spared from reach hapeh, halitosis, or whatever reach hapeh might mean. And if it's in the nighttime, you're spared from diphtherias, asakra. Okay, that's pretty serious stuff. So there was medical advice in the Talmud encouraging the use of salt at the bedafka at the end of the meal. And so, out of a fear, you better wash your hands. Okay. Well, is, is the mitzvah first and the rationale trying to look for a reason, or is this reason? I, I don't, I don't, I don't think the mitzvah comes first and the rationale comes second because I'll tell you that I don't think it's a mitzvah; it's a chova, and we'll we'll draw a, a clear distinction between chova and mitzvah. We're going to do that. So is, it is was this medical advice. Yes, it's Talmudic medical advice. So this idea that uh, it's a sakana, if you don't wash your hands, leads the later uh, uh, authorities to take this very seriously. The Gemara Chulim Daf says, Chamira Sakanta Meisura. More strict is matters of danger, of life and death, of, practice, of real world danger, than matters of Isurim. That religion is religion, but this worldly health concerns are even more important and have to be taken really, really seriously. So whereas uh, a suffix in matters of purely uh, religious law that have no bearing on the Olam Hazeh, but just on the so-called the Olam Haba, we can be makil, we can be lenient in situations of doubt. But in matters of real world concern, even if it's just a case of doubt, l'chumra, we have to be strict, but we don't want anyone to die. Uh, well, with that in mind, the sages of the late Amoraic period and beyond theorized, or rather came up with all sorts of stories and um, lines of argument to bolster the public's observance of Maya Machronim, which was probably always very suspect. It certainly was suspect later on. We'll find Rishonim out and out saying we don't do this anymore. But even early on, before anybody's saying it explicitly, we find all sorts of uh, bizarre tales to convince people, you better do it. So one of those stories is about someone who died. 
So the Gemara in Yoma says, Mayim Rishonim Hechilu Besar Chazir. Over the issue of washing your hands before the meal, somebody ate pork. And over the issue of washing your hands at the end of the meal, someone got killed. What's the story? So it appears that in, in, in a full form in the Medrash Tanchuma, Parshas Balak, my bar mitzvah parsha, um, and it's a story that is popularly known in, in, in English-speaking parts of the Jewish world because it appears in the Little Midrash Says. So if, you've, if you're a bucky and the Little Midrash says, you know this story. What's the story? I won't read it inside. There was an incident involving a certain man who had lentils, who had kidneys for dinner. And then he went to the marketplace and he had not um, washed his hands after the meal. And so the residue of his dinner was still on his hands. A friend of his saw him in the marketplace and that friend then went and told the, went to this guy's house, knowing that he was away from home, and told the wife, by the way, your husband wants you to give me uh, his ring, his tabat, something of value. And the proof that I'm telling you the truth is I know that he, uh, the, the sign is you, he had lentils for dinner. He told me that the, the sign is he had lentils for dinner. So the woman gives the, 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 the friend this tabat, and then the husband eventually comes home and says, and where's my ring? Oh, I gave it to your buddy because he gave me the sign. What sign? I didn't tell him that. And he killed his wife. Okay. Now, do you think this story really happened? Maybe it did, but I have my doubts. I was suspect this, a, this is... Was uh, this in an Italian village neighborhood? <laughs> Somewhere in the South Bronx. Uh, um, so I, I, I can't tell you this is fictional for sure. But my, my gut feeling tells me this was a tale concocted to convince people, you better wash your hands after a meal. Why? Because the sages thought it was really important for health reasons. It's a chova, whatever it is, but people might not be doing it. And so we'll tell a story about someone who didn't do it and, it, and it cost them big time. And they end up killing someone in the process. I have further reason to speculate that these stories are just stories uh, designed to prove a point. Because the preceding story, which also appears in my source sheet, if you're looking on the page, Medrash uh, Tanchuma, uh, is about washing hands before a meal. What is the story there? It was Shas Hashmad, an hour of persecution. Let's say you know, the Hadrianic persecution in the second century, whatever it might be. Where they, you know, the Goyim are after us, and if, it, if we display our Jewishness, they'll kill us. And there's a Jewish shopkeeper, and he uh, has a restaurant. And he sells meat for dinner for people. And he sells tr- kosher and he sells treif. And what his strategy was, if you washed your hands the tilas dime when they brought out the bread, he'd give you the kosher. And if you didn't wash your hands the tilas dime when he brought out the bread, he'd give you the pork. And this guy came to dinner. And the previous night, for whatever reason, he had been given kosher. And the kosher was cheaper than the pork. I don't know how that's possible, but okay. Um, and the next night he came and, the, and he didn't wash his hands. And the waiter gave him pork. And when he went to pay the bill, it was more than the, the, the previous night. And he said, why do I have to pay more? He said, well, we gave you pork. And he said, what do you give, give me pork? But I'm a Jew. You know, shh, don't tell anybody, but I'm a Jew. I don't want to eat pork. You know, I'm, I'm pseudo-religious. So he, they said to him, yeah, but you didn't wash your hands. A, a religious Jew washes his hands. Now, it's a great story. But what is, what is the, the, uh, the key factor here? Washing your hands before a meal is a religious action. It's considered a, a, a mitzvah, a religious ritual. And so a guy who has religious scruples not to eat pork, but doesn't have religious scruples to wash his hands, 
is insufficiently pious, and we're shaming the guy with a story that says, well, you thought that you were going to be this from, but the truth of the matter is, if you're not totally from, you're, you're going to end up eating tray. So, so you better start washing your hands too. So religious scruples and religious scruples, as opposed to the story about killing somebody with a myomachronim and the kidneys, where there's no religion involved here. There is like a practical concern of not, not getting ripped off. And the worry that if you, rip, if you get ripped off, you'll in vengeance, you know, go berserk and kill your, your family member. And the Mayim is not a religious issue. It's a practical issue. We don't want you to die from being blinded by, by some salt. And we don't want you to kill your wife. It's not a matter of Judaism. It's a matter of Olam Hazeh concerns. So they're very parallel. Uh, and I think the rabbis told these stories for good effect, to try to get people to do things they might otherwise not be doing. Now, so why don't another we have stories thing, like this for eating vegetables? We have to go wash your hands before. Why would there be such a story? Well, we, why do we wash our hands on Pesach for, for the vegetable? Because they want to get rid of Tumah. I know, but we only do that on Pesach. The rest of the year, we don't do it because... But we used to do they, it all the time. Granted, but things changed. Issues of Tumah so became less important. Also changed. Uh, okay, we're going to see that it changed. Okay, but but before it changed, before the rabbis were willing to throw in the towel, they did what they could to bolster its observance with the telling of tales. Now, I'll give you another example. The Gemara says in Chulun, and my apologies if there's a motorcycle going on in the background. Can you hear it? There's a, there's a motorcycle shop right next to my house. So the guy's really run, running the engine good. Okay. We have that on Route 60 uh, Friday nights as well. <laughs> so the Gemara Chulin says, Amar Abaye, Meresh Hava Amina, I initially thought, Haidelo Mashu Maya Basve Al Ara, the fact that we don't pour the, the water of Maya Makronim on the ground is Mishum Zuama because it's repulsive and we don't want to make it repulsive water on the ground. Instead, the, what do you do with Maya Makronim? You pour it in a vessel, in a cup, in a bowl of some kind, and then that water is discarded somewhere. So Amali Mishum Desharia Ruach Ra'alaihu. So he was told, no, no. The issue is not because of mius, because it's repulsive, but rather because of ruach ra'ah. What is ruach ra'ah? Some type of bad demon. Evil spirit, evil spirit. So, this is rationalism versus mysticism 101. By okay, so I'm going to tell you right here, I don't think that the mysticism was introduced by people who really thought that it was mysticism. I think it was introduced by people who knew that other people are susceptible to the to the cause of mysticism, and in an attempt to bolster Ma'am Achronim, they said a mishagas about Ma'am Ra. That's what I think. Okay, and why do I think that? Because it wasn't even the initial thought of Abaye. Someone had to tell him that. Now, when Abaye, a big rabbi, has to be told after the fact, oh, by the way, there's a ruach ra. It tells me that that's a shtus being invented by someone, but for some legitimate purpose. Okay. You might now, feel the same way on every mystical rationalism. <laughs> every mystical. Uh, no, I, I, I wouldn't say that. I would say that there are a lot of things in Judaism and in other religions where the mysticism was introduced by someone who sincerely believed it, but I have specific reason here to think otherwise. Okay. Now, what about making a bracha over Maya Machron? So the, the Seder of Amram Gon says, don't do it. Let's look inside. Don't make a blessing over it. And if you made a bracha, it's shame shamayim uvatala. It's a bracha in vain. It's tough language. Don't do it. Now, as for the fact that mayim rishonim is a mitzvah, so that requires a blessing. 
However, Mayim Achronim is a chova, and only because of danger, and it's not a chovat mitzvah. So therefore, no bracha. So this is something I've, I've mentioned in the past, that what's the difference in a mitzvah and a chova? A mitzvah is a religious issue, a purely Judaic issue, as opposed to a chova, which is utilitarian in nature. Like, like with the, the candles, the, the, the lighting of the candles Friday night, which began as a chova, as something which is purely of social utility, but eventually evolves into something which is spiritual and religiously meaningful to people and takes on the status of mitzvah. So mayim achronim, chova, it's not really religious. Mayim rishonim, it, mitzvah, it is religious. Therefore, bracha on the first one, but not on the second one. Now, let's go to the Rambam. The Rambam agrees with this and says that mayim achronim is because of sakana, and therefore you have to be especially careful to abide by it. So he says, you know, it's a real rule. You got to do it. And the reason is because of Melach Sedomit, because of the Sodomite salt. The Ravid. But the Ramam also says that eating kosher is healthier. That yeah. sounds very utilitarian. Okay, so th- but that's an example of him taking uh, a mitzvah of the Torah and offering Tamei ha- Tam- ta- 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 What was that? What, I can't hear. Is that Avi talking? Yeah. Not I can't make the sound out. Avi Pfeiffer. Avi Pfeiffer. No, what, what, what is the Sakana? What, what's the Sakana? You might go blind. You might go blind if the, the eye, the, the salt touches the eye. The Sodom okay. salt, Avi. Okay. So the Ravid pushes back against the Rambam and says, no, no, there could be a bracha on Mayim Achronim. Why? Because that both the Mayim Rishonim and the Mayim Achronim are derived from a Pasuk from a verse, like Bruce said at the very beginning of the, the Shir, that if, it's, if there's a, a derivation from a Pasuk that would indicate this is not just a matter of Sakana and utility, but rather this is a real religious thing. So therefore, make a blessing. Okay. Now, they. Just to say, you know, you and I went to that uh, Chinese restaurant and that. Uh... That's yeah, yeah. in the in the diaspora, you know, you right. know that place. And they bring after the meal this wipe, you know, uh-huh. uh, because either we eat the egg rolls with our fingers, or so yes, it's, we do. It's, so it's it's a common like, inter intercultural to yes, clean absolutely. Your hands. It's not just Jewish. No, to clean your hands. D- dignified you. people do it. Yeah, and it doesn't absolutely. feel like a danger. It's just it's a certain standard of cleanliness already. I believe so. And I, and I think that Chazal were attuned to that, even though the majority of Jews were not. But Chazal, I wouldn't say that they were elitist necessarily, but they wanted a certain standard of living and uh, of, uh, of uh, cleanliness and propriety, the likes of which not everybody can, can handle. Okay, so the Ravya was of the view that um, there is a bracha. Let's, let's look at the Ravya, the bottom of the first page of the, of the source sheet. So he says, Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu. God says, Keshem shani Just as I and my retinue in the heavenly sphere, the celestial sphere, are pure, are nikim and clean, so too, Atem, to you nikim, you should be clean, when you come to bless me. So it's just a matter of decency for the bracha. You shouldn't be repulsive with, with filthy hands, with egg roll grease in your hands when it's time to make the bracha. And I wrote down in the laws of hand washing that in the Medrash Tanchuma, 
On Parshas Balak, it says it's a bracha on hand washing. Now, the truth of the matter is, I looked in that Tanchuma. It's the Tanchuma we quoted already from before, and I can't find a direct reference to making a bracha over this hand washing. Granted, that Tanchuma is very much in favor of doing the act of hand washing and tells a story of how somebody died because they didn't, but uh, I, I don't see making a bracha there. In any event, the Amina Nami Adam is a must precise bracha. Hands which are impure are invalid for a blessing. And therefore, the person who leads the zimun, he should wash his hands. Now, why dafka the person who leads the zimun? Why not everyone? The answer is, only he was benching. What is the zimun? Today, for us, it's a rabbi sign of arech and a couple of lines and done, and everybody goes their own way. But in the old days, what did the leader of the mezuman do? He benched for everyone. Okay. Now, let's go to Rabbeinu Yonah. So Rabbeinu Yonah, offers an interesting theory about why the bracha fell out of favor. I like this Rabbeinu Yonah. I, in general, I like Rabbeinu Yonah. He's very, very sharp. So, as for the blessing over the, the, the Maimachronim, it would seem to be that a person should make a bracha because it's a dvar mitzvah. But the custom of the public was not to make a bracha. And the rabbis of France gave a reason that in their time, the Shemen Arev, the oil, the uh, aromatic oils, um, which were done in conjunction with the washing of the hands, are no longer done. So nowadays that we're not doing the mitzvah ketikuna, the mitzvah in its fullest proper form, since we don't do the oil anymore, well, we're not going to make a bracha. We'll still do the Mayim Achronim, but because we lost out on the Shemen Arev, it's, it would be inappropriate to make a bracha. However, Rabbeinu Yonah also cites Rav uh, Amram, who says there never was a bracha. You shouldn't say Natila Sedaim, you shouldn't say Rechitza Sedaim, you shouldn't say Shtifa Sedaim. Whatever text of the bracha you wanted to have, don't do it. Okay, fine. Now let's go to the reality of people not doing it at all. Forget no bracha, there's no washing. And here's where Tosfis comes to dominate. Tosfis in bracha says the following. Dafka lahen. Only in those days for them, when they were when it was customary to wash after a meal because of sodomite salt. But we of Al-Anu, we don't have sodomite salt anymore. And we, we don't regularly wash our hands after the meal. So this washing is no longer me'akevet. It doesn't prevent us from making a bracha. So basically, the Tosfus is saying, times changed. We don't do this. You can bench without it. However, Anashim Unagim those people who are especially finicky and of weak constitution, who do typically wash their hands because they're, uh, you know, the elitists who can't, who can't bear the fact that I have filthy hands, they should have to wash before the Birkata Mazon, since for them to, to make a bracha with filthy hands is just intolerable. So for them, it's still an obligation. The Mu'unagim, the Mufunakim, however you want to call them. But for the rest of us, we don't do it anymore and don't bust our chops. Okay, then the next hostess is an Arabic. Isn't, isn't this too intrusive for the rabbis to get so involved in your kitchen manners? I mean, isn't it a little much already? I know they like to say which shoe to put it on first and which, you know, had a time when to put it on, but at the end of the day, isn't it, isn't it just overly intrusive? I'm sure there are people who would feel that way. I, I wasn't going to make that point, but there are, I'm sure there are people who feel that way. Now let's go to the next hostess. So, we don't do this anymore because we don't have Malak Sadomis. Okay, one second. Um, 
and we don't dip our fingers in salt after eating. So he's saying not just that we just abandoned a, a, a Jewish ritual. It's that our lives are different. We don't eat the same way that they used to. Cultural uh, preference, cultural practices changed. And so pseudo-religious practices changed with it. Now let's go to the last Tosfos in Chulun. And this Tosfos says that, yes, there's a, there's a citation from a Pasuk, but it's an asmachta be'alma. It's not a real derivation. It's so, so we can discount it in the long run. And the main reason was the Sodomis, and we don't have the Melot Sodomis anymore, so the whole thing falls away. Okay. Now, who, what, do we, what do we know about Tosfot, generally speaking, when it comes to changes in Judaism? What's the general uh, understanding about Tosfos and changes in Judaism? Tosfos is the staunch defender of existing Ashkenazic practice, even when it is at odds with Talmudic law, especially Rabbeinu Tam. But Tosfos in general, that's their mahalach. That is their policy. Their assumption is that Ashkenazic behavior could not possibly be wrong. So if it isn't wrong... Well, we have to justify it and somehow come up with a reconciliation between that and the Talmudic law that appears to be contradictory. Might they source so, it in Yerushalmi? Are they more apt to do that? So sometimes there is, there is resorting to the Yerushalmi where the Yerushalmi proves helpful. In this instance, the Yerushalmi is totally silent on the matter. There's, no, there's nothing to, 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 to find there. But broadly speaking, Ashkenaz Jewry can't be wrong. So... Why are we right? Well, here's why we're right. Because it was only in those days when they had sodomite salt. But if that factor is, is gone, forget about it. Or we, that's only when they dip their fingers in, in, in the foodstuffs. We don't do that anymore. So irrelevant. Don't bother us. Okay, I ask a question. Why, yeah. why is the Maim Mahronim so much because of... I, I, know, I know I heard the beginning, but only yeah. only only because of the Melech's domain. Why is there... It, when we're before we even do some brachot or any you know religious thing, we we have to have clean hands. We can't just go and do it when we wake up or we sit down. All right, so so go. that why that, can't just that, be yeah. we're finished eating, clean your hands, and now bench just like we clean the table. It's like leaving okay, so stuff on the it, table. It, it's it's certain it's certainly possible that in the days of Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel, that was the thinking among the religious elite that it's appropriate to have clean hands before one makes the bracha. And the strong likelihood that given eating habits, your hands would be soiled. I'm not doubting that that could have been, in the the pre-Tanaitic era, the basis for people doing it. But by the late Tanaitic era, and by the Amoraic period, the emphasis on danger clearly influenced um, the way they thought about this halacha as in categorizing it as chovah as opposed to mitzvah. There's no doubt about it. Was that itself a change in the understanding? Maybe, maybe, and maybe then you would be right. Uh, I can't prove it one way or the other. But once the Melech Stomi factor came to dominate the discussion, that was a convenient hook for those who don't want to do it to say, well, now we have justification for not doing it. Okay, so let's go to... One other point uh, that occurs to me is that in Ashkenaz, nobody apparently is pointing out, as you did, that they used to eat with their hands. And at some point in the culture, the civilized world, let's call it, 
yeah. they started using knives and forks. Now, because the fact is you haven't bought any, bought any sources for that. So my assumption is in Ashkenaz, they weren't aware that people once ate with their hands. Otherwise, they would have talked about that also. Well, Tosfis does mention that we no longer dip our fingers in the food. In the salt. Uh, but in the salt. About, yeah, he's talking about uh, the but salt. But I, th- I think he's not just referring to the salt. I think he's, I, I, my guess is it's a broader reference to sticking your finger into a bowl with, with, with condiment. In other words, holding the, the vegetable or the fruit and putting your finger in it and getting it all wet. And I think that's what it means. Um, but you're right that the, the uh, the underclass or the, the non-intellectual isn't aware of other people's activities beyond their own cultural realm. Tosfus being rabbis steeped in, in learning, reading texts from hundreds of years before in a different environment, they may have been attuned to that fact, but your Hamonam probably wasn't. Yeah, I mean, okay. you know, had I not been in India and, and other places in that part of the world and seen it from my own eyes, I wouldn't I wouldn't have had any idea that you eat rice with your with your fingers. Uh-huh. It's so ineffective, though. Uh, they do it very well. Nothing drops, believe me. They Nothing drops, very, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're very practiced. They do it from the age okay. of nine. Yeah. Okay. So now, let's go to the Shulchan Aruch. The Shulchan Aruch says, <laughs> Basic law, it's an obligation. With no caveat. Then, we don't make a bracha over it. Then the last seif of that uh, bigger uh, paragraph is There are those who don't do it. Even for such people, those people who do regularly wash their hands for cleanliness purposes because they can't bear the thought of having unclean hands, they have to wash their hands for Birkat Amazon. So that's borrowing from the Riven. Who, who said, well, the finicky types, they better do it. Um, now, the, the Ramah... Well, the odd part is, at, at our table anyway, where we yeah. do do it, the men do it. The women don't oh, do we're it. Oh, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. Okay. So, the Ramah doesn't write anything um, on these lines of Shulchan Aruch to uh, present the Ashkenazic perspective. Why not? I mean, we know what he held... In the Dark Emotion on the tour, he says, yeah, the Ashkenazic custom is really not to do Mayim anymore. Uh, I guess he didn't bother to, to have a gloss on this chapter of Shulchan Aruch because the Machaber himself says, yeah, there are people who don't do it, which was enough for the, for the, for the Ramah to say, all right, fine, I don't need to say anything. He, he gave me cover that there are people who don't do it, and we are those people. Um, but let's now go to the Mogan Avram. So the Mogan Avram says, that why were there those people who didn't wash my machronim? Because there's no Melech Sodomus anymore. And the Ein Makpidin Al-Kach. As for filthy hands, Ein Makpidin Al-Kach. We're not so careful about these things, meaning our standard of cleanliness or our insistence upon hygiene is at a lower standard, a lower madrega. It doesn't bother us anymore. But then he says, in the next line, the Kabbalists, they wrote, everybody should be careful about these things. And the Yamshel Shlomo, the Maharshal, uh, he would, would rinse the cup and then wash his hands. So it was not universal in Ashkenaz that people didn't do Maharshal. The Maharshal did it. And the Maharshal, is, is, while saying that people don't do it, is also saying that the Makubalim, who are at that point few and far between, 
they do it and they encourage it. And uh, yeah, they're the, you know, the, the upper echelon of Jews who are doing it. Okay, let's now go to the, uh, the Birke Yosef. The Birke Yosef... Meaning, meaning you're suggesting that like Strymals with the upper echelon of like Polish, the wealthier people might have cleaned their hands, so too did so so too did some Jews. And like when when the average, you know, like in England, who knows what people were like uh, hundreds of years ago, when like everyone was a little bit on the dirty side. Sorry, Dan. Yeah. So so too so were the Jews. But as soon as yeah. people became like, you know, aristocratic Brits, so then yeah. those Brits would those Jews would wash their hands. It's it's probably the case that there was uh, uh, there was the stratification of society with certain people being more rough and tumble than others, not caring about things that other people do care about. So the Ein Makpidin, well, is that everybody or is that just some people? Now let's go to the to the Birke Yosef. Birke Yosef is the Chida, so he's writing from from North Africa, and he quotes from his grandfather. Uh, who says that the, the Kabbalists say that to be very careful with my machronim and we should not be lenient in my machronim. The hamekel my machronim, if you're lenient, mekalenlo yamemushnosov. A kula in my machronim leads to a kula in your life and in your years and in your days. That you'll they'll be shortened. You'll you'll die young. And they and there was a she'ela shalom. Someone was asked the ribona shalom or the celestial sphere in a dream. What's the story with my machronim? And they were, it was said, the response was, if you're lenient in Mayim Achronim, you're going to die young. So here are scare tactics. You better do it. You better do it. What about, the, the, Grah, the Grah didn't like the fact that the mainstream Ashkenazic poskim of the 200 years before his time basically said you don't have to do it. And his response was, you have to do it. That even if the issue is Melach Sodomus, and you, we know we don't have Melach Sodomus, doesn't matter. It's a rule. You must do it. The Mishnah Brura which is the last source in the page, says, yeah, that there were the people who people who don't wash my, my machronim because there's no melosodomus and we're not concerned about it. Uh, and because the grease that's on our hands after we eat is not called zuhama to us. So if you're living in 1897 uh, Belarus or Poland, and you're generally speaking not showering all that much or not all that clean. So the, the, the residue of food is not bothering you. That's not Zuhama. Zuhama is something even more repulsive. Uh, you, know, you have tar on your hands or something like that. But there are, there are levels and this is not Zuhama. So therefore we don't do it. However, he quotes the gross as you have to. Then he quotes the Mekubalim who say that you have to. So basically the Mishnah Brewer is throwing in the kitchen sink. That after having said people don't really do it, yeah, but the from people do it and the big rabbis are encouraging it. So what really happened? What really happened? Maya Machronim does make a comeback. I mean, in, in, the, in the ethnic economy, you have the Judaica stores, they sell those Maya Machronim cups with the little plates, you know, in the bowl. So if, if they're selling it, people must be buying it. The mimetic tradition of just follow what you saw your ancestor do doesn't always win out. Sometimes, even in a culture where for a few hundred years something isn't being done, but there is a textual basis to do it, and then some rabbinical authority comes out and says, yeah, by the way, although we haven't done it for a while, you really should, that can be an impetus to start doing it again. And if it's the right charismatic figure, especially if it's in a Hasidic environment, beholden to the Mekubalim, 
then it can really take off and become absolutely essential. I never saw my machon until I was a teenager. Now, that doesn't prove anything. I grew up on Long Island among the Goyesh Yidin, all right? But uh, still, even now, even when I was in the yeshiva, people didn't do my machronim. One guy who was a Meshuggah did my machronim. Um, it wasn't so popular. So... Now, though, when I lived in Baltimore decades ago, everyone, uh, absolutely everyone did my machronim, except the women. Okay, so now let's get to the issue of the women. So is there a basis to distinguish between men, yes, and women, no? If the issue was Melech Sodomus of Sakana, well, the women are people too, and we don't want them to die. We get, bl- uh, bl- get blinded. I mean, who's going uh, yeah, to bring you the salt to the table in the first place if they're not around? <laughs> so how could it be that this gender gap came about and persisted for many, many years? The women were in the uh, kitchen. They were constantly the women were in the kitchen. They washed their hands. So that answer is it, it, it's a nice answer. It's not given by any of the of the, the gedolim who posed the question, but it's a nice answer. Um, Rabovadia was concerned by this and said, "Yeah, everybody should do my machronim, even the women." So one theory as to why there is the gender gap is that since this is not really required, and that it's being brought back as a chumrah, when it comes to chumrah. It only is done if it's accepted by you. And the theory is only men accepted the Chumrah. How do you like well, that? But where's, where's the source that says women don't do it? So there is no source. There was just a, a known reality. And the posting of the 20th century, and, and I think in the 19th century too, they, were, they found it to be a curious thing. How did this reality come to, come to pass? It's not justified by any, real, by any source. And uh, there really is no good answer. Other well, than, other than, other than to ma- say that people, people brought things back and it developed a life of its own. And where does and, it say my machronim choba? Where is that? In the Gemara. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure how that then fell off. You were going to explain a choba versus a mitzvah. If it says black and white, my machronim choba, how can anyone decide? Eh, eh. Uh, other reasons, so, you know, we, that's a, such an explicit statement in the Gemara. The, 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 the answer is because Chovah in the Talmud does not mean the same thing as Chovah in modern Hebrew. Chovah in modern Hebrew, even like late rabbinic Hebrew, means a, an obligation, uh, an, a, an inviolable ob- obligation. In the Gemara, it, it means an inviolable obligation for, for reasons of practical concern that we don't want anyone to, 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 to violate our edicts. But if the reason, reason for the edict is gone, then it has no religious standing whatsoever. And so therefore, it could disappear completely. It's an irony of, this is super duper important, except when it isn't, when it's not important at all. If, if you're in somebody's house, let's say you'd, once you do something, it becomes part of your if you want to call it minhag or chovah, so if you're in somebody's house and they don't do Myanmar chronic, right? do you still, is it still incumbent upon you because you, did it, you've taken it upon yourself to do it in the house? Even if, if you, Sometimes you can do it discreetly, sometimes you can't. Sometimes you might be in some person who's, you know, a rav or, or that doesn't do it, you know? Okay, so my, that's, that's an interesting question that, that pertains to interpersonal relations and, and not embarrassing people. My perspective would be that if you're in the environment where it's not being done, 
and it cannot be done discreet and it can be done discreetly you know, go ahead and do it discreetly yeah. if it cannot be done discreetly and there would be uh, either ill feelings or a sense that you were showing up the host then you mm-hmm. then you just shouldn't do it okay i've seen plenty of people get up and go just go in the kitchen and do it sort of quickly and privately Good, they're doing the right thing. I've seen seen other people who insist upon making a whole production out of it, even when they know they're the only one who's doing it. I can give you an easy way to say, excuse me, I just got to do something before I bench and go to the bathroom. So so that's that's okay. You know why it's okay? Because my machronim does not require a cup. My my machronim does not require koach gavra. It just requires water. So you go, to the, you go to the faucet and put your hands into the faucet, you're done. If you go in the kitchen, it's not nice. You know? Does that mean if you passed out the little wipes like they do in the Chinese restaurant, that that would suffice in theory? Uh, probably not, because according to the uh, the law, as it, as it appears in the, in the Gemara and Shulchan Aruch, it does require a beverage, not necessarily water, but uh, any beverage. Um, mm-hmm. And the sanitary wipes would, would, would not fall into that category. Hmm. Hmm. Danny, you're muted. I can't hear you. Danny, you're muted. Danny, you're muted. Sorry about it. Yeah, yeah, no. I, uh, this is my wife's been doing this for many years. Uh, muting me. Uh, my question was if, if I don't think you have the time or the energy to broaden the discussion, meaning if Toslot is making a clear cut statement that since this is no longer relevant, the reason for the, for the minhag, the mitzvah, is no longer relevant, we can. We don't need to do it anymore. Yeah. Then you can make the same statement about any number of other things that we do today, we think about doing, uh, you know, comes to mind showering in the nine days, uh, shaving for people who shave every day. Okay, so I'll give you an answer. I'll give you an answer. The answer answer is very simple. The toast vote were not... uh, the, the Baliat Tosfut were not of the opinion that what they were doing was chopping away at the, ran, uh, the branch and root of, uh, of Judaism. They really believed that their pious community could do no wrong. And so if they were not doing wrong, but there was an intellectual difficulty of an inconsistency with a the text, they would figure out how to resolve that inconsistency. But never to consciously uproot something that was previously considered sacred. So any time that a kahila, uh, a community anywhere in Europe did something or didn't do something, you're saying they would find a justification for it. I don't know about any kahila, but the ones where, in which the, the, the great Baleatosphus lived, which were small communities with only a handful of families, dominated by very scholarly uh, uh, sages in the, in the broad family tree of Rashi and his descendants, okay? Um, th- those kind of communities, their behavior could then be picked apart and identified as correct, and we'll explain why it's correct. That would not hold true for larger communities of Amaratsim or, or places where uh, acculturation and the decline of piety was an obvious fact, as was true, by the way, in parts of North Africa or even in the Middle East, where it was taken for granted that a lot of people are not so religious. You, you, you're, um, 
you've taken apart my question or my argument bit by, by making that claim because uh, I was trying to say that once you read the Tosfot, the Tosfot said, listen, this is the reasons for this minhagat no longer exist and we can cancel it. You're saying the only reason that they did that was to try and justify what was being done in the community. What happens if it wasn't like that? What happens if, I don't know, I don't know enough to say. Are there other places that Tosfot takes apart a minhag based on the fact that it's no longer relevant? I don't know of any example where, to, where Tosfos uh, in the Bavli dis, uh, announces that something doesn't need to be done that was at that time still being done. But they will add a homer uh, in, in the opposite direction. Uh, yes, that, that can occasionally happen, although that's usually from Hasidic Ashkenaz, not from Tosfos. Isn't it, I mean, isn't it clear that once we know that lice reproduce head lice like any other insect on earth, that the statement in the Gemara that we can kill lice on Shabbat because they don't reproduce like that. They, they, they sort of spontaneous, spontaneous production in your hair and therefore they don't have the din of an insect and you can kill them on Shabbat. Once we discovered the microscope in the 19th century, and we know that that's factually wrong. Wouldn't this same Tosfot say, that's wrong, that's all wrong. We, we don't do that anymore. Uh, that's, that's the sort of thing where once a law has been hallowed by time, hallowed by time, as opposed to hallowed by time, um, it's hard to undo it. Even when it's a leniency that seems to now be unjustified, um, the the force of tradition is is very powerful. Well, amongst Fardim, they, for example, some will not eat uh, fish with dairy, but plenty do. Despite the fact that it's probably based upon a toes sofer, it's a mistake by a by a, by a copyist. But it, oh. that's Shulchan Aruch, no. It's 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 based probably based upon a toad sofa. It was supposed to say of v'chalav, not dog v'chalav. Wow! But that's a separate topic, not for now. And I'm not I'm I'm, I'm not proficient in it. All right, gentlemen. Good Shabbos to one and all. Thank you. Well. Thank you. So, on the Thank final you. conclusion, do we continue with the manag if we're doing it? Or do we just say, uh, why, why are you even asking? We know exactly what you're going to do. It doesn't matter what the rabbi is going to tell you. Well, I'll give you my, my the al-regal achat answer is that Mayim is a nice way to round out the meal for those who find it meaningful. And for the rest of us who haven't been doing it, don't feel guilty. It's a good answer. All right, folks, take care.